politics, football, faith, and theology, you're listening to Pfft Podcast, and I'm your host, Daniel. I want to address a question today that I was asked by a friend about uh, a couple weeks ago. My friend said, can God create a rock that he can't move? Which is a question, of course, that I've heard many times before, and I've always kind of thought that that was a stupid question. I didn't say this. I didn't say that, but that's kind of how I've always felt about it. Um, uh, what does that even mean? You know, a rock that God can't move. Uh, I think the first time I heard it was, can God create a rock too big for God to move? And uh, I thought that was particularly stupid because the size of an object has nothing to do with whether or not God can move it. But I've also heard just, can God create a rock that God can't move? And so I thought it was a stupid question. I, I said at the time, I said, God can create any rock he wants, and God can move any rock he wants. And that's about it. That's the answer. Okay, well, I, I thought about it a little bit more, scratched my head a little longer, after I had been after I talked to this guy, and ended up sending him an email, because I realized that uh, there's actually a little more to the answer than that. And I think the answer sheds light on an important Christian doctrine. So I want to talk about that a little bit. I want to talk about how the answer to the question about God creating a rock he can't move sheds light on an important doctrine about God's relationship to all of reality. So let me start by outlining a few things that people can believe about God. You can believe God doesn't exist, okay? Uh, Lots of people believe that. You could believe God created the universe and set it in motion and then left it to itself, like you might create a machine, turn it on, and walk away. So God created everything, but now here we are. God doesn't interact with us. God doesn't care about us. You could believe that. I don't know if anybody does these days, but, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody does. You could believe God created the universe, set it in motion, and occasionally intervenes through miracles. You know, he answers prayers. He Maybe he flooded the whole world once, and most notably, he intervene through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And I think a lot of people think that that's what Christianity teaches, that God created the world and set it in motion, and as long as he doesn't interfere, it just kind of goes along normally, according to the laws of nature. There are no miracles. Uh, you know, the rain comes, the snow comes, the four seasons happen, uh, but no miracles occur. And then every now and then God reaches in and says, ah, I'm going to, you know, tweak this thing a little bit. I'm going to insert this thing. I'm going to change this or that about nature. And and it's hard, you know, for me to not think that way, but that's actually not the Christian doctrine. Okay, the Christian doctrine is not that God created uh, the world and it just kind of runs on its own, and then every now and then God interferes and does something to it, and that's called a miracle. Okay, uh, so the Christian view and the Jewish view, because this is in both the Old and New Testaments, is that God is constantly upholding and sustaining the entire universe. So, uh, Psalm 145.15 says, The eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in due season. Psalm 104.21 says, The young lions roar for their prey, seeking their food from God. So both of these psalms are saying that God gives the lions their food. Well, obviously the author knows that lions go out and get their food, right? They kill beasts, they eat them, right? The author's not saying that God just magically makes food appear for the lions. He knows that they go kill their food and and 
all the laws of nature come into play. There's how fast can you run. There's the fact that uh, antelope, uh, you know, have the correct nutrients to nourish the lions that somehow they instinctively know which animals to run after and which ones to kill and how to do it. Okay, all of these laws of nature come into play. But the Psalms don't say, you created this system that allows them, as it sort of runs on its own, it allows them to go get their food. It says, you give them their food. So what does that mean? It means that even as the laws of nature are running, God is upholding them. I don't know if this is... I'm going to make an analogy, and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be heretical, so don't, don't read too much into this, okay? But, you know, if, if you have a computer, and uh, it doesn't get updated, or if you have a... Uh, if, you know, pretty much any machine, I think it needs to be kind of constantly... Um, uh, cared for and you know you have to keep putting gas into your car for it to run it doesn't just kind of run perpetually on its own without you the universe and even the laws of nature are kind of like that and that's a bad analogy because you know you only have to put gas in your car every once in a while uh, and you know you don't have to make sure that the uh, gears do the right thing they just do it until they break and then you either get a new car or get a mechanic right but um but there, there's something to that, at least, that you can't just let a machine go perpetually without uh, without caring for it and maintaining it. And the universe is sort of like that, except that God is perpetually upholding every single aspect of it. It's not like it's not like the uh, you know the uh, second law of thermodynamics just needs to be uh, recalibrated every now and then. Or the law of gravity needs to be adjusted to make sure it goes back to its, uh, its correct form every, you know, every 10 years or so. God just adjusts it, recalibrates it. No, it's every time gravity is acting, God is acting through gravity. Every time a lion is choosing to go chase an antelope, God is acting through that lion. You know, um... Here's another one. Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus upholds all things by the word of his power. All things. The lion, the antelope, the chase. Jesus is upholding all of those things by the word of his power. Colossians 1.17 says about Jesus, In him all things hold together. The very atoms that uh, compose all of this, all of us. The atoms are held together by jesus and in him if jesus you know my, my parents explained it to me this way one time obviously god can't cease to exist but if god ceased to exist for one second and then immediately came back it's not like he would find the whole universe how it was a second ago the whole universe would have completely ceased to exist in that one second that God ceased to uphold it all in its existence. Is that crazy? It's it's it sounds crazy, doesn't it? Like, well, how how could that happen? How could the universe do anything but keep going the way it does? Um, you know, this isn't occasionalism. This isn't the idea that God sort of recreates the universe ex nihilo every instant of every day and there's no uh, and, and there are no actual laws of nature. There's no causality apart from God. Uh, you know, you you drop a ball and then God creates a ball an instant later, halfway down, 
uh, and then an instant later God creates another ball on the ground and it makes it look as if you dropped the ball and it fell onto the ground but uh, that's not actually what happened God just created new balls over and over again that's not that's not what we believe no, the, the laws of nature do actually work right? we, we do actually live in a real universe and interact with it but God is upholding and sustaining all of that and yeah, it's hard for me to imagine it not happening. It's hard for me to think, you know, how how could how could anything other than this happen? But that's that's not because of any sort of fundamental properties about the universe. Um, it's really just because I've always I've always seen the sun rise every day. I've always seen, you know, when I drop things, they they uh, they fall. It's because I've always seen uh, that things that exist continue to exist so um you know and it's the same with like magnetism or or whatever you know you you sort of assume things only fall down until two pieces of metal that are magnetized uh come in contact with each other and then one of them falls up uh you know you you assume things because they're the only thing you've ever seen until something sort of makes you think otherwise so it is hard to imagine what it means for God to uphold the universe, but Christianity teaches that if that, that all of life, all of the universe exists because God upholds it constantly. It's not that he recreates it at every instant, but it continues to exist as it has before, and it continues to obey all of the laws of nature because God upholds all of those laws. Acts 28 says, In him, in, in God, we live and move and have our being. Now, Jeremiah 1 and Psalm 103 both talk about God forming people in their mother's womb. It's not that the authors didn't understand how a human embryo develops into a baby. I mean, of course, they didn't know the details, right? They didn't know the things we know now through ultrasounds and other things. Uh, but they knew that there's a natural process. They knew that, you know, babies grow in their mother's wombs, not in the depths of the earth, like Psalm 103 says, okay, it's, it's a metaphor, right? The point, um, but, but, so they knew that there's a, a natural process by which this happens, and that, uh, you know, we can scientifically examine and learn some of the details about how exactly it happens. But when they say God forms people in their mother's wombs, that means that God is working in the natural process and using the natural process to form me, uh, to form you, and every other human being on the planet. So what does all that have to do with rocks? Well, like I said, God can create every, any rock and God can move any rock. But there's a deeper answer. And I want to give the deeper answer now using this, what we've been talking about. So because God, through Jesus, is constantly upholding everything, what it means for a rock or for anything else to exist is for God to be upholding and sustaining that rock and for the rock to be subject to God's power and authority. That's not, um, in, in other words, the very definition of existing is for God to be upholding and sustaining a thing. Nothing has ever existed that God has not been upholding and sustaining. And not only that, but... It's not just that it's never happened. It's it's not even that it's impossible um, in the sense that it won't happen. It's impossible in the sense that it doesn't even make any sense to talk about it happening. So God upholding and sustaining things is part of the very definition of what it means for something to exist. 
it's impossible to distinguish the existence of a rock from God's power over it because God's power over it is part of the very definition of its existence. So for a Christian, the question, can God create a rock that God can't move, is the same as, can God create a rock that doesn't exist? And that, of course, is the same as asking, can God create a rock that isn't a rock, or can God create a rock without creating a rock? And you know, at that point, it's just a meaningless question. You could say the answer is no if you want, but it's not because creating a rock that God can't move is something God can't do. It's because creating a rock that God can't move isn't something at all. It's just nonsense. It's amazing to think that the God who created the entire universe, including every electron and every star in the farthest galaxy, is also personally upholding and sustaining you and me, as well as the neighboring galaxies. But that's what we Christians believe. Every time you take a breath, God is giving you that breath. <laughs> Try thinking about that while you breathe for a minute. All right, that's, uh, so that, that was uh, largely borrowed from this email that I sent to my friend. Um, but it's an important... It was something that was kind of helpful for me to think about and realize there actually is something more to that uh, question that I initially thought was a stupid question. It turns out there's a lot more to the answer than uh, than I had initially realized. So, just wanted to share that with you. And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. If you haven't enjoyed it, then don't subscribe. Don't tell your friends. Uh, if you did, please uh, send me an email. Let me know what you think. If you didn't enjoy it, send me an email to complain. That's fine. I'm always happy to get that. Uh, my email address is daniel.pftpodcast at gmail.com. My website is pftpodcast.com. It's pfftpodcast.com. Please join me next time, and thank you for listening. <laughs>